hope you're reading Ecclesiastes. That's got you smiling. It is in the Bible, honest. And it's a really good book. And we're going to get into it properly from the start of next week. I'm going to flirt around the edge this morning. As 2016 drew to a close, the media spent a lot of time remembering people who had died during 2016. And as part of remembering, we heard all about what they'd done or what they'd achieved. David Robert Jones, better known, of course, as David Bowie. Music career that spanned five decades. You may have some of his music. He reportedly sold 140 million records. And yes, it used the word records, for those of you who remember them. Uh, world, and his world, worldwide. 140 million worldwide in his career. That's a lot of records. Turns out, he's one of the world's best-selling artists. He had 11 number one albums. 11 number one albums. That's quite an achievement. And in 1996, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There you go. By any measure, a remarkable life and a remarkable career. Cassius Marcellus Clay Jr. Better known, of course, as Muhammad Ali. Some say the greatest sportsman ever. Certainly he thought that about himself, didn't he? He is the only man to have won the heavyweight championship of the world three times. Sports Illustrated ranked him as the greatest athlete of the 20th century and the BBC sports personality of the 20th century. He won that award. We still talk about, if you're of a certain generation, the fight of the century. Remember that one? Or the thriller in Manila. Or the rumble in the jungle. Remember them? Inspiring, controversial, polarizing, Muhammad Ali. Terry Wogan, KBE. Sir Terry Wogan, broadcaster. I actually did used to wake up to Wogan. <laughs> Apparently at its peak, wake up to Wogan, his breakfast show had 8 million listeners. He went on to do TV shows, didn't he? Wogan. Blankety blank with that stupid microphone. Do you remember that? Anyway, come dancing. Didn't watch that one. He was, of course, the BBC's commentator for the Eurovision Song Contest. Now, I wrote down this because, unless I misunderstood this, from 1971 until 2008, and its host from 1998 to 2009 when he retired. He, he was part of the deal, wasn't he, dear old Terry? His great love, though, of course, was BBC's Children in Need. Terry Wogan, broadcaster, campaigner, loved, admired, respected. There were others, of course, others who achieved great things. George Michael, my favourite. Paul Daniels, Leonard Cohen, Carrie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds, Fidel Castro, hmm, interesting. Victoria Wood, Prince, Alan Rickman, for you film buffs. And, of course, many, many more. All remembered for what they've done or what they've achieved or the awards they've collected. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes, which will, you will read as you read through Ecclesiastes, which invites us to think about life. It is, in fact, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2. 
This is the NIV translation. It is better to go to a house of mourning than go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. The contemporary English version translates it this way. It's better to go to a funeral than attend a feast. Funerals remind us that we must all die. I shall be attending three funerals this coming week. Two of which I will be taking, one of which I will be attending. My attempt at interpreting this verse is this. Everyone will die, and wise people think about that. Now, this might seem a strange thing to be thinking about, relatively the beginning of a new year, in a talk that's supposed to be something about vision, if you studied the program. Well, maybe that's true. Maybe it is. Here's what I'm thinking, though. When the media produced a list of the people who had died in 2016, only certain people made their list. Seems to me that they had their own criteria for those who make it onto their list. And I think, and these are my words and my thoughts, I think the main criteria for people making it onto their list was those who had found favour in their eyes. That is, the media's eyes. To find favour in the eyes of the media, you have to have done something or achieved something that they, the media, will notice. David Bowie sold millions of records. People like listening to his music. Muhammad Ali had been in the spotlight as a boxer and, of course, an activist. Terry Wogan had been on the radio and the TV, and he'd done high-profile charity work. Others had appeared in films, won awards, made us laugh, ruled a nation, wrote books or poems. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. And the people we remember in those lists truly have talent in all sorts of different ways. And there's nothing wrong with rewards or recognition. But it seems to me mostly that when we remember people, that's the measure we use to make it, uh, to whether they make it on the list, what they've done or what they've achieved. Ecclesiastes reminds us that every one of us is going to die, and those of us who are wise will think about that. So... In thinking about that, how do you measure your life? Perhaps there are lots of different ways of measuring life. Maybe we use lots of different ones. We do, I think, and maybe this is just me, we do tend to measure ourselves by the things we do. What's the first question somebody asks you after they know your name? What do you do? I, I try to avoid that. It's like when you meet other ministers, all they want to know is how big your church is. I try to avoid that, I get very vague, I go, oh, I don't know, got no idea, which is a bit of a lie, but anyway, it's better than telling the truth. Can't believe I said that. <laughs> well, Ian, could we just like take that bit out of the... He's nodding. Uh, perhaps do we measure ourselves by what we achieve? And and there are some achievements that are much more likely to get us onto the list, aren't they? Perhaps we measure ourselves by what we manage to accrue. 
or that stuff we gather around us, or how much money we got in the bank. And of course, there might be some things that we accrue that are much more likely to get us on the list. They have a list, don't they? The richest people in the world. You get on a list if you've got lots of money. How do you measure your life? Because remember, all of us will die and the wise among us will be thinking about that. Funnily enough, it may be that we are thinking about it. And especially, what other people are thinking about how they will measure us. But what are you thinking? What are you thinking about how you will measure your life? Here's a thought. Our vision statement says that we will be bursting with life. So how do you measure up? Would somebody look at you and go, oh, oh, oh my goodness me, there's someone bursting with life. They must go to Crawley Baptist Church. Seen that on their website. I wonder if God has a list. Well, Jesus says that we shouldn't rejoice that the spirits submit to us, but that our names are written in heaven, Luke 10, verse 20. Don't rejoice that you can cast out spirits. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. There's a lovely thought, isn't it? My name, your name, written in heaven. All of us will die, and the wise among us will think about that. Seems to me that if I am a wise person who thinks about the truth that, like everybody who's lived already, and all the people who will ever live, I am going to die. It would be good for me to think about that in the light of the truth that I know. Here's Ian's amplified version of Ezekiel chapter se- uh, sorry, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2. These are my words. You won't find them in any book. I made them up. All of us will die, that's certain. And the wise among us will think carefully about what we do with our lives, knowing what's coming. And the wise will think about it in the light of the truth that names are written in heaven. I think I might have a choice as to how I might live in the light of this truth. I could live to find favour with the people of this world. I could live so that when my life is measured up, I make it on the list. I can live to do that. I can live to achieve, to accrue, to do. And if I'm lucky or fortunate or talented or rich or popular, I might make it on the list. Or I could choose a different path. And I think it could be a better choice because it's part of a bigger and a better story. Genesis chapter 6 verse 8 says this, But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. Noah 6.22, Noah did everything just as God commanded. 
I'm thinking that a much better way to live than to find favour with people and maybe, maybe make it onto their list would be to find favour with God who has names in heaven. There is a significant difference between names on a list put there by people and names written in heaven. You only get your name on the list of written by people if you do enough or achieve enough or accrue enough. To find names in heaven, the work has already been done. And there is nothing you can do to add to it. There is nothing you can do to change it. What's already done is enough. Absolutely and totally enough. And God desperately wants your name written in heaven. And the most wonderful truth is that the moment your heart turns towards him, God adds your name to the other names written in heaven. What it means is that you don't have to worry or slog or do or achieve or accrue. One of the deepest truths that Ecclesiastes will teach us is that finding favour with people only holds good while we are alive. But it also points to the truth that finding favour with God makes all the difference, both now and when we die. Finding favour with people is not completely worthless or empty. But finding favour with God is far deeper, far richer, far more magnificent, because in truth, that's what we're made for. Noah actually lived in a world that's not too dissimilar from today. People lived without reference to God and did what they wanted and did what they thought best. I think we might recognise that, mightn't we? Noah was different because Noah chose to live in the light of what he knew about God the best way he knew how. Noah didn't find favour with God because of anything he did. He found favour with God Because God's heart was turned towards Noah, and Noah's heart was turned towards God. But Noah did everything just as God commanded. So how are you doing, friends? Here's the good news. Noah wasn't perfect. You like that one, don't you? Yeah. He wasn't perfect in the way he lived, and he wasn't perfect in his faith, either. But Noah was genuine. He had genuine faith and he lived as best he could in the light of what he knew about God. Noah found favour with God not because of his circumstances, but because in them, his heart was always turned towards God. You might recognise this. In the year 2006, the Lord came unto Noah, who was now living in England, and said, 
Once again, the earth has become wicked and overpopulated, and I see the end of all flesh before me. Build another ark, and save two of every living thing, along with a few good humans. He gave Noah the cad drawings, saying, You have six months to build the ark before I will start the unending rain for forty days and forty nights. Six months later, the Lord looked down and saw Noah weeping in his yard, but no ark. Noah, he roared, I'm about to start the rain. Where is the ark? Forgive me, Lord, begs Noah, but things have changed. I needed building regulations approval. I've been arguing with the fire brigade about the need for a sprinkler system. My neighbours claim that I should have obtained planning permission for building the ark in my garden because it's a development site, even though, in my view, it's a temporary structure. We had to go to appeal to the Secretary of State for a decision. Then the Department of Transport demanded a bond be posted for the future cost of moving power lines and other overhead obstructions to clear the passage for the ark's move to the sea. I told them the sea would be coming to us, but they would hear nothing of it. Getting the wood was another problem. All the decent trees have tree preservation orders on them, and we live in a site of special scientific interest set up in order to protect the spotted owl. I tried to convince the environmentalists that I needed the wood to save the owls, but no go. When I started gathering the animals, the RSPCA sued me. They insisted I was confining wild animals against their will. They argued the accommodation was too restrictive and it was cruel and inhumane to put so many animals in a confined space. Then the county council, the environment agency and the rivers authority ruled that I couldn't build an ark until they'd conducted an environmental impact study on your proposed flood. I'm still trying to resolve a complaint with the Equal Opportunities Commission on how many BMEs I'm supposed to hire for my building team. The trade unions say I can't use my sons. They insist I have to hire only health and safety trained CSCS accredited workers and ARC building experienced people. (laughs) To make matters worse, Customs and Excise seized all my assets, claiming I'm trying to leave the country illegally with endangered species. So forgive me, Lord, but it would take at least ten years for me to finish this ark. (laughs) Suddenly, the skies cleared, the sun began to shine, and a rainbow stretched across the sky. Noah looked up in wonder and asked, You mean you're not going to destroy the world? No, said the Lord. The government beat me to it. In the modern version of the story, the ark never gets built. Never gets built because of all the things we put in the way of doing what God desires. I wonder how much we are, in truth, doing exactly the same things now in our own lives in all sorts of different ways. It seems to me that if we live our lives in order to find favour with people, we might do very well. We might gain lots of things, achieve lots of things, and accrue lots of things. We might even make it on the list one day. Do you know the tragedy of that list, though? Is if you do make it on, you'll never know, will you? 
But we could make a different choice. We could live in the favour of God himself. We might still do lots of things, achieve lots of things and accrue lots of things, but we can live in the sure confidence that our name is written not on a list, but in heaven. And one day, one fine day, we will get to see what is waiting for those whose hearts are turned towards his heart. So 2017, bursting with life? Well, I hope so. I'm wondering if it's about finding favour with God. So that's going to be my choice. So in 2017, may the Lord bless you and take care of you. May the Lord be gracious and kind to you. May the Lord look on you with his favour and give you his peace. Amen.